We better get used to it because we're starting to see shifts in care and shifts in things that we can do. We were just talking about the TTC and perhaps some of the people watching those cuts that have been announced and they want an extension on the vaccine mandate. Well, we have one. Ontario long-term care staff now must have first COVID vaccine to attend work. Let's talk about it in a context of change within long-term care. We need it. It was not a good moment for Ontario. It was not a good moment for many parts of the country as we looked at what happened when that pandemic hit. We're going to get some reaction. Joining us is Dr. Amit Arya, and Dr. Amit Arya is an expert in palliative care at the University of Toronto, also with the Faculty of Health Sciences, McMaster University. Dr. Arya, thank you for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me, Arnie. All right, let me ask you, I mean, here we have a first dose. It is a mandate. It sends a message. Is this the correct message? And should this be hung on to and not fiddled with as we look for some clear action in long-term care? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we've been asking for a vaccine mandate, not just for long-term care, but in fact, for all of health care. Uh, since the summer, and this is something which uh, the Ontario Medical Association, representing physicians, the Registered Nurses Association of Ontario, uh, re- you know, representing nurses, the Ontario Hospital Association, representing hospitals, you name it. Everybody has been asking for a provincial mandate for all health workers in long-term care. And what we've seen, actually, where you mentioned, Arlene, that a mandate has at least uh, started to take effect in long-term care, where as of yesterday, uh, anybody who's working in long-term care has to have had one dose of the COVID vaccine. We've seen an increase in the uptake from health workers, where over 95% of health workers are fully vaccinated. And what's the result? It's actually great news, where long-term care has had zero deaths since October the 20th. Cases and outbreaks were actually increasing at the end of August and in September. But since the mandate was introduced, people stepped up, they got vaccinated. And thankfully, one of the places where, you know, we had the greatest devastation and suffering in the first and second wave of the pandemic has been spared. It shows us that vaccine mandates work. It is. And there's a a fear, you know, who gives in first and there's been an extension. However, as you say, already we're seeing the action here. Long term care. Again, I get back to this doing things, not just talking could be a theme for the whole country. How much of a focus is there going to be here on this? Have we gotten the message well, I think so. I think absolutely. And, you know, the only thing, you know, the only reason that they've delayed uh, getting that second shot mm-hmm. is because of advice from NACI, the National Advisory Committee on Immunization, which kind of recommended that instead of having just a three or four week interval between the first and second dose, uh, they recommended to extend that interval which meant that, you know, of course, people couldn't get fully vaccinated by yesterday. So that's why they pushed the, you know, the date to December 13th. But as I mentioned, 95 percent of people fully vaccinated who are health workers in long term care is great. Uh, It would be fantastic, of course, to see more transparency from the ministry because 95 percent is just an average. Right. So there will be outliers. 
uh, where there may be some facilities that are, you know, in the 80s or possibly even lower. We don't know. But having that information would be very helpful in order to provide some guidance and support. And I will add that actually to the, you know, to the credit of the Ministry of Long-Term Care, they are actually aware and they are trying to provide extra assistance in those facilities which have lower rates of vaccination. All right. You know, as you say, the extension allows for a longer period of time between the first and the second dose. And we do know that that increases the efficacy of the vaccine. So it's all good. What should happen to those who don't comply? So um, I think we I mean, we know if you're in healthcare, I mean, if you don't believe in the science of vaccines, we just have to ask that critical question, Arlene. Why, why are you in healthcare? Right. If you don't believe in this and we know that vaccines are undoubtedly they're a you know, a way that you can protect yourself uh, from serious illness and, you know, of course, dying or being in the ICU. That's number one. But they're called a public health measure because they protect those around you. Hence the word public. So if you're a health worker, your chance of transmitting COVID-19 is, of course, much higher if you're unvaccinated. So how could you justify being a health worker and then sort of caring for some of the most vulnerable people in our province who live in long-term care, older adults who have dementia, heart failure, a kidney condition, frailty. So this absolutely doesn't make sense. And they basically, and they are doing this, vaccination should be a condition of employment. And as I said, since it works here, we also have a way to reduce the unnecessary suffering and death happening in other sectors. Like hospital outbreaks don't have to happen. Um, we don't have to have outbreaks in retirement homes. We know enough about the science of COVID-19. And the number one step to making this work is to make sure that all health workers are fully vaccinated. You know, there's such a focus on it, and there's a lot of listeners who are not going to disagree. And then we see and we hear that perhaps there's going to be a shortage of workers. Is there is is it appeasement? And I use that word with the full meaning of it. Is it appeasement when we give in to this? Or is ha- the ability to have those workers, does that justify delaying, twisting, extending, or not applying that, that vaccine mandate in other areas of health care? So uh, I will say very emphatically that it does not justify delaying a vaccine mandate in any way, shape, or form. And I'll, I'll be happy to explain why. So firstly, the situation with uh, introducing a mandate is really about paying up front for people who will choose not to get vaccinated, meaning that if you're unvaccinated, you're way more likely to get COVID-19, in which case you're going to be off for two weeks anyway, at some point. And then you're more likely to, of course, infect your colleagues, uh, infect your patients. You know, if you're in a hospital, that means that floor would go on outbreak, family members couldn't visit, and that would be much worse for the healthcare system. And I'll add that the reason we're asking for a provincial mandate, not just in one sector, such as long-term care, is because the current situation allows someone who's uh, unvaccinated in long-term care to find another place to work where mm-hmm. that mandate doesn't so one, exist. So you can just- one flows into the other. So it's the, the same kind of an argument. Dr. Amit Arya, thank you for joining us. And take care, all eyes on long-term care and other areas to see what happens. We appreciate your time this afternoon. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me, Arlene. Dr. Arja is a palliative care expert with the University of Toronto and also with the Faculty of Health Sciences at McMaster University. 
Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. <laughs> and Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. <laughs> For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.